March 30th, 2018. Welcome to Postmarkdom 4. I'm Scott Southern. And I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Scott, my friend. It's the main event. I can't wait. It's coming up. It's the big one. It is coming up. And as was noted in the date that we're recording this show, this is a little predated. We're we're doing this before the Raw, before WrestleMania, before the NXT, before WrestleMania, before the SmackDown, before WrestleMania, because we'll already be in New Orleans come I'm going Thursday. Down to New Orleans. Yeah, I I, yeah, I think it's important to be transparent about that, but also the fact that uh, I mean the go home shows here very rarely do they have any big reveals. At this point, I mean, I think that's been like, you know, maybe part of the the story with like the WrestleMania builds over the last three or four years is that the actual go home Raws and et cetera for WrestleMania don't really contain like all of that much like storytelling. Yeah, it's a lot of replaying of packages, a lot of making sure everybody knows exactly what's at stake here. Because I think that, like, you know, it's it's kind of one of those deals where every storyline is given so much over such a long period of time that it's like you have to tie up everything. And it's like every storyline kind of gets their own, uh, you know, their own, like, final point, their own, like, you know, top of it that's not necessarily on the go-home raw. It's, it's you know, it all has to even out i guess yeah i think that's that's true i mean there's all these all these uh stars that are aligning that we've kind of been talking about for the past month or two months in some cases a whole year but uh yeah a lot of it is just finishing out those uh packages solidifying some of these things some of the little new twists towards the end that uh were thrown into making sure everybody knows right so i think the the one you know possible main event that we're not going to be able to you know speak as to what happened on monday and you know monday like having some sort of significance in terms of the storyline is john cena versus the undertaker sure that's the one that uh as much as it it's not up in the air right we know what's going to happen here right but the story right now is still playing itself out we don't know if Taker's going to come out on that Monday. We don't know if he's going to wait until Mania. Uh, we don't know what he's going to look like, what he's going to say. Uh, right. We don't know if he's even going to be the dead man. Oh, my God. I love that that's sort of the like fantasy that we're all having is like, well, Kid Rock's going to be there. I mean, he's got it. Everything's coming together. The the American badass. Why not? And I think it's one of those things that we've all come around to after seeing Taker as the dead man kind of lose some of his mystique. Yeah. In the last couple of years, I think we've all, at least a lot of folks have come around to to the idea that, hey, the American badass was really fun. Taker isn't this completely mysterious creature that can never have, uh, I don't know. That can never break kayfabe and can never, uh, right? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like the post, you know, Brock Lesnar loss at WrestleMania 30. It's had like I just like a sort of weird like figuring itself out period, which maybe even like took itself into last year when he lost to Roman Reigns. But I think that there's like an element to the sanctity 
of The Undertaker that has a lot of people not really wanting this match to happen because, you know, because essentially he had his retirement match last year. He lost to Roman Reigns. He didn't look very good. Mm-hmm. And the payoff of him, like, we were there. When he took his gloves off in the ring, I got so emotional. Oh, my God. And I think when they started to talk about the idea that he was going to fight at WrestleMania again, my initial instinct was like, no, that's not that's not cool. He did the thing. He kissed his wife. That's yeah. like, <laughs> that's as much of like a, a kayfabe break as there's ever been with The Undertaker. He shouldn't be doing this. But I, for some reason, have been kind of okay with the idea that this match is going to happen. Yeah, I think a lot of that is fueled. I'm okay with it too. I didn't, I didn't like the idea coming in. I thought it was silly and stupid. I thought that uh, Taker hasn't had a great mania match in a few years at least. Yeah. Um, and see if you start like doing the numbers and running them down and just talking them through, it starts to feel like a lot of these were not important or not necessary. Uh, but then the last year's match was definitely, like you said, it was a very emotional thing. Totally worth it in the end for some sort of retirement payoff right. deal. Now him coming back, I was definitely not into it. But a lot of these rumors about him being in the best shape of his life, uh, the idea of the American badass throws some real flavor into it. It's, yeah. It makes it a little spicier. Uh, I, I'm fine. I'm. I think it's gonna be fun. I think too that like I've really been down with this Cena build too. He's like totally carrying it. But the idea that he's you know calling the Undertaker out for posting uh, videos of him training with his wife on Instagram, I'm so into that idea. It's funny. He's being someone that he's not. He's not normally. He's uh. He's kind of being a brat. He's kind Cena. of being, yeah, yeah. A, little, a little bit of a punk and making some unreasonable demands of a man who just retired from his job because he wasn't doing great at it. I just like the idea, though, that Jet, that scene is in there being like, the only reason this isn't happening is because of you. I think that that is like such a good element to it. Like Cena's, I, I Cena's promos, Cena's maybe entirety is always going to be, I think, a balancing out of like he's gonna do something that I don't necessarily agree with or that I think is corny, and there's elements of that like within all of this where he's like kind of you know saying, oh, I'll be there as a fan, like shut up, no, you won't. Come on. But <laughs> but the idea that he's kind of personally going after this guy i am really really down with that because that's not something that anybody's ever really done with the undertaker right i think that that's that's totally uh i can buy it right because we had this retirement thing we've gotten to the point where we don't where taker's mystique has been shattered a bit and now we can start talking about mark calloway or whatever we'd start talking about taker as a human being as a guy that's got instagram uh as someone that has a wife rather than just a mysterious cloudy figure. And I think, you know, the element of John Cena and The Undertaker, especially John Cena at this stage that he's in, like, you know, I maybe during the time when we weren't watching it, they may have had a feud before. I really don't know. But if it happened, it didn't happen when John Cena was, you know, still like 
Well, I mean, at this point, like he's of legendary status. Yeah, he's at. He's definitely at this point is one of those five guys that is just has to have a match at WrestleMania, if for no other reason than he has to be on this card. His name has to be on it. He's up there with Triple H and guys like Taker have been. Uh, for the last few years. And I think that like the element of, you know, Undertaker coming in and and having not been seen well aside from Raw, but you know, he's coming in, he's going to have the crowd on his side and that crowd is going to boo John Cena even though he's the best. I'll always boo him though. Oh my god, I know. It, it's one of those things that it feels <laughs> like you're doing the right thing. Yeah. You're, you're making that noise for Cena. And it's right. like lighthearted booze. It's, I mean, at this point, it's almost the same thing as the You Suck chance for Kurt Angle. Yeah, definitely. I am I I have been one to just yell, let's go Cena, and Cena sucks. It's the funnest. <laughs> it's really hard to maintain. <laughs> Me too, dude, because it's that's just a really hard one to maintain. You, you don't have time to uh, like recycle that breath right. you run out real quick your voice gets scratchy but i totally agree that's like one of the funnest parts about john cena existing. and it's also like like i think like being being a cena mark to an extent is a lot of fun just because like i love talking to kids when i'm there and like kids love cena and when he can be like yo yeah john cena's best that's like that's that's sick but you know i i have i would say pretty optimistic hopes for this match I think that there's been a good amount of optimism in really in in the ways that I'm seeing the WrestleMania card really since Daniel Bryan came back. Yeah, he was a uh, a bit of a cementing force here. There were a lot of potential matches that were going to happen, a lot of uh hot feuds going in that all seemed like they were going to lead to something good. Uh but Daniel Bryan just turns this into something completely perfect. It's like the the amount of like you know the the fiction versus non-fiction and the idea because like you know wrestling it's one of those things where you know the the most legendary like uh moments in real sports are the ones where you and you have people who are saying like you know you couldn't have written this and there's an element to that with this daniel bryan thing where you have you know this feud going with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan you know you're not sure where he is in all of this and for I think for a good amount of time it was going really well and then it seemed to have kind of lost its you know idea it petered out for sure and I mean without Daniel Bryan coming back I don't know that story would have fallen pretty flat at some point yeah and i think like going into going into the card it seemed like this was going to be one that like you know maybe they just maybe they just blew their load a little bit too early with it like it could have been something but then you know we we were all kind of like wondering like what the hell and then daniel bryan comes in as the saving grace that's just like one it brings so much into this feud and two it's just like every single person is just so excited at the prospect of seeing daniel bryan wrestle again yeah we just want to see him in the ring more than anything but the fact that it is part of this really long-term feud this really long-term storytelling if if uh if nothing else wwe did a great job while he was out of action um Kind of just like letting him build these like long-term stories with people, people like The Miz, and 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 this feud that's been going on for like six months now. Right. Uh, 
in weird ways. Sometimes it went down paths that didn't go anywhere, but they've been working with each other. These four dudes have been working with each other for the better part of a year. It's And it's like, I, I've been really excited too, I guess, just that the idea that like... uh, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and Daniel Bryan are all kind of appealing to their careers before WWE, where they come from, like what they represent. And, you know, we have uh, some question marks over, I'm sure that Shane's going to be there. Is there any worry that, like, he's not going to? Like, I don't understand diverticulitis. I just know that it's crazy. It sounds bad. And it almost killed... Brock Lesnar. Yeah, one of the most unkillable people. I love that they have... Did you read that WWE.com article where they said that he had diverticulitis, but it was like, you know, it was written... It it was like presented half storyline, but half real life, but it wasn't really like clear what the distinctions were. Like, you know, he suffered these things at the hands of Kevin Owens, and then he went on vacation with his family and then he got diverticulitis and that may be because of what happened between kevin owens and yeah like result where we don't know where the injuries they talked about a hernia as well in there somewhere uh i mean i'm sure they're basking if shane comes out they're gonna have to bask in the fact that a McMahon got over diverticulitis in like a week and a half. Right, yeah, and yeah, it yeah. retired. Oh, Brock. yeah, and this, this Brock guy who, you know... This almost... guy who's <laughs> leaving the company now. <laughs> but I, I am... I Once this happened, it was kind of that moment where I was like, WrestleMania is going to be awesome. I don't need to worry about, you know, the the main event, the main event, which we will get to, you know, the, the things that we've all been worrying about with that and, like, you know, maybe what they are doing wrong or doing right but this was the moment where i was just like this is going to be one of the funnest shows ever yeah because i think a lot of these matches a lot of the ones that we talked about a couple weeks ago uh with you know some of the triple threat matches the mid the mid-tier titles uh they all look really fun they're all going to be really fun matches that we're all pretty excited about but a lot of them don't have that same gravitas that uh some of these more main event type matches have and adding something like daniel bryan to this the main event caliber matches here is just like that that solidifies it all it totally and i think it like really hot shotted this feud into you know this is now above you know that category of like the intercontinental title matches and things like that what's interesting to me is that you know we have this aspect of the storyline where if kevin owens and Sami Zayn lose that means that they're still fired so that type of stipulation always points to, all right, how are these guys going to manage a win here? Yeah, because we we know they've got to win somehow or some shenanigans have to happen so that they maintain, they keep their status. I'm not 100% stoked that we have these two uh, if I'm nitpicking here on WrestleMania weekend, we've got uh-huh. uh, the NXT retirement match, the unsanctioned match, and then we also have this one, both with stakes that someone's who has already been fired is coming back and might get fired again. I'm right. just nitpicking here. I don't. Uh-huh. I, it's not a huge deal. Whatever. That said, uh, yeah, I think we have to. Uh, all, these types of matches always. You're always just trying to figure out how they're gonna keep their status. Right. Yeah. How is this gonna? How is this gonna exist? How is it? How are we gonna find a way? Because when this feud started, 
I was kind of waiting for that Daniel Bryan heel turn. I think that, you know, the idea that, like, there's something, you know, between those three is very, very exciting to me. But there's also the fact that, like, Daniel Bryan has had these feuds, like, with with The Miz, where it's, like, he's finally able to, like, go after The Miz. I don't want to take that away. But, you know, I don't I don't know. I don't know what you do here in order to keep, you know, Kevin and Sammy in place. Sure. I There's a lot of stuff up in the air. The uh, There's the El Generico rumors are circling around. He's allowed to sell his T-shirts again right. on Pro Wrestling Tees. That tweet. Yeah, that tweet. I mean, it's whatever it is this is it makes it a lot more fun uh-huh there's so many there's so much potential here and you know we could imagine this just being a pretty straightforward back and forth kevin and sammy win whatever but having all of these other factors uh all of these plates spinning at once really gives it a lot of uh i don't know a lot of momentum it's like so smart too the fact that they have decided like okay if Sami Zayn like tweets as El Generico. It's going to send you know a, a, a large portion of our audience just into a fucking tizzy, and they didn't have to do anything. They didn't have to do anything, and this is a match that uh, I think it's definitely three out of the four people here are you know indie legends, uh, and Shane definitely appeals to that smarky crowd as well. Uh, we all love him. Yeah. I I think, yeah, the fact that, you know, if Balor does some Bullet Club stuff, it doesn't mean, it doesn't make that same ripple that it does when Generico, in this specific match, uh, does, like, a little nod to the indies. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, a, there's a good, like, you know, there's a lot of open space for, like, winking at the camera here. Totally, and I think another thing that's important is, is that Generico, we, we, like watching Sami Zayn as fans that have seen him before he was Sami Zayn or seen him in, even in NXT, we know that there's just untapped potential of, of his so like wrestling much, ability, yeah. his ability to be a kind of a, a, a gravitational magnetic star. Um, he's been wallowing for a while. This feud and this teaming with uh, Kevin Owens has definitely elevated his status a bit, but like to, if El Generico is the fucking best. Yeah. Yeah, I I love the idea that, you know, that he works that in some way. And I, this has been like, I think that's kind of been one of the more fun stories of of this, uh, you know, this past year was that Sammy is one of those guys that, you know, when we were talking about Gargano last week, uh, you know, looking at, at the people who make their way up here and, and you just kind of sit there and just kind of like bite your nails while you're watching and just like making sure like that they take care of this guy and they understand like what potential he has and understand that his ceiling is, you know, maybe not where we're worrying it might be. Mm-hmm. And to see Sammy like come out and do what he's done, you know, with a heel character and he just like the that like first month of him being a heel was unbelievably great yeah somebody put that uh some gifts side by side of that old cartoon big bulldog with the little like chihuahua behind him i uh-huh. forget what the what it's from but the <laughs> chihuahua is just like yelling and barking and just 
watching Sammy come out with Kevin Owens, with Kevin Owens straight face, and Sammy like, yeah, you know, skanking everywhere, yelling at the audience members on both sides of the aisle, just like being a total loud mouth, annoying Scott dude is such a great move. It's so good, and then, yeah, and I, 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 I'm sure that like everything like settles into place, and like I, Kevin for some reason is someone that I always worry about with with them too i just like i think that he is so unbelievable unbelievably great if i were to put like power rankings down i'd have him in the top five kind of always i think he's just unbelievable but he's like somebody too that i think that he needs to be shifted like kind of once a year or else he gets stale so this might be a good opportunity like when they moved him to smackdown it was really really good for him and was like exactly what he needed and i feel like he benefits really well from just like you know he can't he doesn't do so well when it's just like all right i'm done feuding with this person on the show i'm gonna go now and and fight this person it's like he needs to just like be inserted somewhere and to just be himself there yeah i think uh there's something very comparable with uh, his spot in the roster as, uh, as Seth Rollins' spot, where we know at any moment this dude can be inserted into the major feud of the week and can perform at an insane level, just be a great uh, wrestler, can always be a title contender if we need one. Um, but yeah, I think it definitely there are definitely times where he gets stale or where if there isn't perfect writing around for him, it's it's kind of he kind of wallows. Yeah, so this match I think will be a lot of fun. There will probably be some great high spots. There will certainly be one where we're all covering our eyes watching Daniel Bryan and just hoping that he doesn't hurt himself again. No headbutts, please. Oh, that's going to be the story of the match too, right? Like just watching Bryan get hurt is going to be – we're going to be on the edge of our seats. We're going to be – I'm just – everybody's going to be looking back and forth at each other freaking out the entire match. It, yeah, it's like it's 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 like what's what's going to be bigger? Is it going to be the the Shane high spot or the the relative uh Daniel Bryan high spot that happened? Yeah, totally. <laughs> and it, I mean like the Shane high spot is going to be him jumping off of something in an offensive like aggressive maneuver, but right. the Daniel Bryan high spot is just going to be him taking an enormous bump. I know, I know, I'm nervous. Hey, I can't there's, wait. there's a match that we, you know, we wouldn't necessarily think about it in terms of the main event, but it's something that we that we didn't talk about when we talked about the mid card matches. But the New Day versus the Usos versus the Bludgeon Brothers, we we really wanted to take a moment just to f- talk about the fact that this New Day Usos feud has been legendary it really has it's been the linchpin of smackdown for uh, an entire year uh these two have been putting on the matches these two teams have been putting on the match of the night at every pay-per-view that they've been in yeah that hell in a cell match oh my god that was brutal and that was brutal on a show that was kind of crappy yeah, they they. I think that like this is one of those you know when you go back and uh, similar to like I remember talking about like Beth Phoenix being being inducted into the into the Hall of Fame and and I think the um, the thought with someone like Beth Phoenix was like it would have been so great to see her you know her career shifted up three years or back three years just because she was you know she was the best during a seriously fallow period for women's wrestling and i think that this feud was just like such a bright spot during a time when the pay-per-views weren't all that great 
and the writing wasn't all that great. And it's kind of, it's been one of those things that I think we've all kind of taken for granted because they've fought so many times and it's been, we felt like, you know, oh, all right, we're doing this again, but it's always good. It is. It's always good. It's, and it's one of those things that's been so impressive because at this point, the new day should be stale and boring. Yeah. And, you know, until this feud, the Usos were very stale. I mean, they, I did not. I would not give them the time of day. They were in that category of wrestlers that I fast forwarded through their matches. We know yeah. they're talented, uh-huh. uh, but there was nothing else there. Once that once that intro came, it was just like forget this. It was mm-hmm. like it was like those two and Sheamus. Like yeah. four years ago, don't want anything to do with them. And, and all three of those people have totally elevated right, themselves. They're great now. Love, love Sheamus. The, the Usos' like heel run has been so unbelievably great. Those it, promos that they've been cutting, that that just yelling back and forth, they play off each other so well. Uh, they they are taking the words out of each other's mouths. Uh, and as I mean, some of them seem like sort of planned out. And if they are, they're planned so smartly. Uh, it's so cool to watch these two brothers like actually work in tandem in a way that isn't just like a silly face paint gimmick, but they're working in tandem as like two characters. And it's I think it's given the New Day a really, really like huge B12 shot where it's like, you know, not only is there new life like being brought into that team that, you know, we've been talking about when they're going to break up for the last two years or when, you know, they're going to, pull the trigger on giving one of them a singles push but that they've been in they've been embroiled in such a great feud and you know it's a level of of severity that's totally new for them too that's true i mean it's caused both of these teams to get very serious uh and i think that they're you know as the rivalry began that it turned into a bit of there's a lot of hatred going on there's a lot of animosity between the two teams but i think what's really interesting is that over the course of this feud, those relationships have shifted. Uh, the views of these two teams uh, of each other have, have definitely shifted. And now there's this mutual respect thing going on that's, you know, one of the funnest things in wrestling. But it's cool to have seen that organically changed mid-feud. I mean, it's, it happened because the feud was long enough for this to happen. But I think that was, like, one of the coolest things to keep Yeah, the fact that they're, like, you know, they've been they've been doing this for so long. And it's, like, you know, you, you can't do anything but respect... Uh, somebody who's been your dance partner for this long. It's a real shame that they're both just going to job out to the Bludgeon Brothers. Oh, is that, you think that's going to happen? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that's, uh, you know, there's at least one very, very talented individual on the <laughs> side of things. I- I think Luke Harper is going to be one of those people that we're always going to kind of mourn for, uh, you know, being totally underutilized. He's so talented. I think that he, like, God bless him for taking, putting his whole self into this gimmick. Yeah, I I was talking with Jesse the other day about this this thing, and I think... It's man, the Bludgeon Brothers just—it's so lame. This the the dynamics between these three teams is really neat. These two old rivals that now have this respect are being attacked by this like chaotic evil group of dudes that uh, 
are just like throwing a wrench in this like very orderly rivalry that's been well, going on. I think they're throwing a, a rubber mallet. Oh, a big more. hammer. Um, it's one of those things where, you know, I think that with the way kayfabe has kind of evolved, I think that people will always be willing to take like kind of the the goofball uh, good guy you know, like the blue blazers mm-hmm. of, of the world. I think that that will always work. But when it comes to like, you know, like this is a, this is demolition of Jace. This is, this is a, a callback to like an era where like, it's just too cartoony to work right now. I it think. is, it is. I, but you can see a world where something like sanity makes sense in this spot or even the original Wyatt family when it was still very hot. Uh, yeah. coming in and just like wrecking shit and causing chaos. Well, the thing about Sanity, I mean, look at the difference between those two names. Like the Bludgeon Brothers are, you know, they're they're two people who are foils to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> there it's just like it's just a little too hokey, you know? There's got to be an element of like you know, post Blair Witch to all of this. It can't. It can't just be. You know, no. Nobody dresses like that. Yeah, I mean, they. It's it's Kane's outfit. I don't right. understand why they thought that was gonna work twenty years later. It's. I mean, you know, it's it's like we all were so willing to accept Jason Jordan. That's like that's a that's a type of kayfabe that we're like, all right, yeah, sure. <laughs> Jason Jordan is Kurt Angle's son. All right, Perfect. fine, that's fine. But people this have is, sons. Yeah, I think when you're asking people to be like intimidated by by something like this, it's just not gonna work. Yeah, and I mean, you know, these mallets. It we know too much. The why yeah. do they have these hammers? Well, it's what not. And it's like it's not that we know too much in in the sense of like you know we think we understand match psychology or, or sure. something like that. It's like those aren't real. Th- those are not real, and you don't have to be very old to know that. Yeah, I mean Triple H's sledgehammer still works, and it's great. I hope he hits Kurt Angle in the head with it. But uh, it's still a little silly, right? It's still a li- but that's yeah. It's at the that's at the limit because uh-huh. we see him palming the top of that thing whenever he hits somebody in the stomach with it right and to amplify that to the degree that these are bigger headed rubber mallets that we know nobody can hit anybody with and you can't buy those anywhere you can't get those at at menard sorry that's a little too midwest you can't buy those at the home depot the depot you shouldn't go to the home depot though they're a big trump supporter but so is the wwe nasty hole (laughs) (laughs) moving on we've got a rematch a dream match dream rematch this is the one that is is as much of a gift as they could ever give us AJ Styles the WWE champion versus Shinsuke Nakamura Shin Shin versus Uh, Ajin, it's 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 what we've been you know clamoring for since these two were in the same company. Like you know, I remember watching Wrestle Kingdom ten, and I, that was you being like, "Yo, 
uh, you should watch this match. Yeah. Uh, we talked a few weeks back about, you know, Money in the Bank and Punk getting us back into wrestling in general. Uh, Wrestle Kingdom 10 was the first thing that got me, that I was, like, fully invested in New Japan. Yeah, and it was like, you know, we'd heard rumblings a little bit, and I remember the the, the night that Ben was like, hey, you gotta check out this guy Shibata, uh-huh. and this guy Nakamura, and we're like, oh yeah, okay, this is cool, but then it was like, oh, okay, well, they had, like, their WrestleMania, and, you know, we both know who AJ Styles is, and we both, you know, watched this Nakamura guy at three in the morning with Ben, but that match was just on such a different level of anything that I'd ever seen. Yeah. I watched it again last night and, uh, before I watched inception, uh, uh-huh. uh it was like a very, it was a, I had a weird evening. Uh, seen inception for the first time. You guys, I watched inception for the first time last night. I thought it was a pretty good movie. He this this guy he doesn't like Leonardo DiCaprio. I think Leo uh to watch Leo and Romeo and Juliet and it's one of those things you just can't unsee. The way that guy talks Shakespearean English is horrible. Dude, and like Titanic too. He can't act his way out of a bag in that movie. You watch watch the last 45 minutes of Titanic and listen to how many times that guy says Rose. Why does he keep calling her by her name? Rose, get on this thing. Yeah, we you know her name, but like I have that I have that problem too where there's like like this guy acts he's acting everything he's doing involves acting yeah Tom you're Cruise, watching him act same way but you know you can turn it off to some extent yeah definitely and more and more recently i've been becoming like slightly more willing to work with him i think he's fun in the departed uh, i think it's great that you're just opening up so many doors i'm trying to, to be a more open person i'm trying to say yes you know <laughs> just trying to say yes I want to watch that movie again. I haven't seen it since I saw it in the theaters. Inception? Yeah. Dude, I was thinking last night how much I want to see it in the theaters. It Watching looked it amazing. Was a little, that was one of those. It was wild because it was a summer blockbuster. That was They were showing ads for that during the NBA Finals. And it's like this heady movie about dreams. But, you know, all of those, like, you know, the shots of, like, the city, like, folding fall, on itself. Oh, God, oh it's, so it's cool. Dark. That movie's cool. So... We, you know, I think, you know, ever since then, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, as far as New Japan goes, I'm kind of the, the, the big four type and I, I really like my guys, but you know, the, the way that like these two kind of opened it up was, you know, it was huge. And I feel like, you know, that was kind of the, the beginning point to, to where like, the world of indie wrestling was like it was already starting to like make its way in but following that it feels like you know the the scope just got like so much bigger yeah i think something i think aj opening up uh things to the western audience was a huge a huge moment there and then i think it was only continued with uh, like currently with kenny omega right he's doing it now i mean those those dudes made it accessible uh, and made those storylines accessible rather than piecemealing matches together that's like this match kicks ass but you don't have any context and i think that aj too is kind of really you know the first the first of of that crop of of people who have come in you know not including like daniel bryan and cm punk but aj is the first one that they brought in and he was just a star he was just a star right away when he like, shows up at the royal rumble 
the crowd went nuts. Nuts. And then like the fact that within within the year he is, you know, he's not only like dependable for having a good match, but he's always depend he like the crowds love him. I think he was the first guy that was just like, "Oh, everybody fucking loves this guy." Yeah, he's super dependable. He's fun to watch. He's got a legacy. He, he fit, everybody likes him and he's Somehow he has enough star power where you can just insert him into that top spot and let him sit there. He'll never be John Cena, but he's right there on the next level down. I know. I just I think he just looks so good all the time. He doesn't and and he's kind of adapted himself too to just being able to like make everything that he does in the ring look huge and flashy and like that forearm you know there's there's really like very few people i think who are able to do something that looks you know big wwe style but also like painful and also just like athletically dope yeah he's a video game wrestler yeah for sure he he does i was watching the match last night and just seeing him do that he does a 450 in the middle of that match and it doesn't look uh it doesn't look like a ricochet or like an Osprey four fifty. It's this big dude that's right. doing a four fifty somehow still. Yeah. And you know, I it like it, the the fact that he, I think he's just like come in and he's been so solid and so dependable and in such short time too, you know, it's like the the I think the fact that he has really done you know, like everything that he says about what he's done for SmackDown, that's so true. It's it's absolutely one hundred percent. And I I really think that like it's it's you know it's developed that show in a way where it's like all right, we're strapping this not onto John Cena or Randy Orton, we're putting it on to this guy. He's new, he's fresh, and he's you know taken the ball he's run with it and he's like you know in he's in a league where his status as as the champion like you know it holds weight he's he's absolutely the top guy on that show yeah a hundred it's one of those things i think we were talking about it at the last show that it doesn't make sense for anybody else to have the belt on that show right on smackdown no one else Unless they can beat AJ Styles, why would anybody else have that title? So now we have, you know, one of the guys who has moved over into the WWE from New Japan and an unlikely guy, somebody like Nakamura, who has a charisma that's so unique. It's just like so special nakamura like watching that guy you know doing what he did in japan when he came to nxt that was like my favorite match of that year and it was just purely just emotional i was so happy that he was there i loved every moment of it i loved his like wink at the camera it's Mm -hmm. it's, like one of my favorite moments of watching wrestling of the past five years is that match with Sami Zayn. um I think that we have all been a little, I don't know, kind of, kind of shaky on his WWE performance. He's, he's like, uh, kind of embodied that cautionary tale of uh, the WWEization of uh, of indie wrestlers or wrestlers from New Japan, uh, seeing them 
kind of strip a lot of what makes him uh, who he is. It take taking a lot of his characterizations, some of his uh, his steez and style, and just weird mannerisms. He still does them, but they're packaged as something that's very uh, tight, rather than letting him be this loosey goosey rock star quote unquote that he was before i think yeah i think that one of the appeals of of nakamura in japan was that he had kind of an ability to improv and you know his matches felt they felt like fights they felt like weird and bizarre and you know kind of choreographed in his own sort of like this is this is the way that i want to do this style but you know, now it's it's just been, you know, a little bit of a letdown. I think that, like, I think that we've all been wanting it to work. And we've all been, like, kind of, like, especially at the beginning. Like, I remember going to, what was it? It was a backlash that we went to, the SmackDown pay-per-view after yeah. WrestleMania when he fought Dolph. Yeah. And we were all kind of like... Was that his debut match in... I think so. Yeah. His debut. And and we were all just like, "Uh, yeah, you know, we're like cheering for it and just kind of thinking, you know, it's one of those moments I think when you're like kind of, you're trying to put on a little bit because the people who are there who don't know who he is are not that impressed. Yeah, you're trying to make up for it uh, by cheering a little extra loudly. Like, uh, like you ever watch... uh, you ever watch a funny movie with uh, someone who you just start dating or some people that you're trying to impress and, and then you find yourself laughing a lot at it? It's a lot like that. Yeah, when you're the one that recommended the movie and you want to make sure that it goes over well. Yeah, but I think that there have been like bright spots in it. And it's like we all know what this guy's capable of and we definitely know what he's capable of with AJ. Yeah, I... Man, these guys can definitely do something uh, incredible here. I hope that they, I hope the company lets them just have the match that we all want them to have. I think that's what it is, right? It's not like there's a lot of these where we're, you know, one of these matches that we're really excited about is going to get 10 minutes after the entrances and it's going to be a bummer and you know hopefully it's not like last year you know when i when i bought the bray wyatt and randy orton match t-shirt because i knew that that was going to be the dopest match on the card and then you know i don't wear that shirt anywhere yeah you shouldn't wear that shirt anywhere and that was definitely the throwaway but that was for the title man yeah that was the championship match and that got thrown away i mean well you i think we can chalk that up to bray i think that they you know maybe no i think they don't they don't have <laughs> they, they never had faith in bray wyatt they yeah. never had the faith that they should have with bray wyatt i think yeah i think we can chalk it up to the lack of faith in bray um that poor guy i know um maybe he'll win the battle royal Hey. Um, but you know, we've got that but this is this is really the worry, right? That we're we're just like we know that they're going to give them 20 minutes. We just want it to be 20 minutes where they're like don't worry. We got this. Yeah, I think uh I mean both of these wrestlers have proven you know outside of the WWE but also within it that they 
can really get a match going. I think what both of them do really well is that end game, that second half of a match. I'm sure, you know, I don't know ring psychology. Right. I don't know how this shit works. But, like, I'm sure they set things up great uh, in the beginnings of things. But at the end, man, AJ Styles matches are so fun to just freak out about uh, near falls and finishers totally. yeah. and, you know, just power move after power move. Right, and it's like like he does such a good job of, like, you know, hitting the third uh, attempt of the forearm. Yeah, things like definitely. That. And, man, just to bring it back to Wrestle Kingdom, he, he does the... Uh, he's in a desperation situation. They're going back and forth, blocking each other's stuff. Uh-huh. And he does the Styles Clash with one arm behind <laughs> the leg because he just has to get it off. It's amazing, man. I want to I see this match just remade. I know. And I, I'm. It's like, it's like I want them to, you know, I want to do like the come on. Like I want to get like all that stuff like just out of the way yeah. quickly. We're all going to be like so hyped for it. I think that this is going to be one where like the crowd's going to be fucking going crazy for it just because, you know, you know we we've been wanting it it's like when nakamura came here we've been waiting for that and they like you know hinted at it a couple times and i remember just being like no 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 no, no. that's that's a wrestlemania match that can't happen any other place i think that they know it i hope that they just like let them do the thing i really want it to be brutal i think that that's maybe been something that's been lacking with nakamura is that they try to sell him as being brutal but his shit doesn't look as hard as it did in NXT. Definitely doesn't look as hard as it did in New Japan. Yeah, and I think a, a lot of what that is, a lot of what looked so tough in NXT and New Japan is when he got time. I don't know. Uh, I was thinking about it yesterday. I don't know how long Nakamura's longest match has been since he's been up on the main roster. But I can't think of any you know, extended match that he's had where he's been at that point. Because that viciousness and that violence comes out a lot uh as the desperation starts to set in right as you start to see that like okay he couldn't just you know go through his cycle of moves and and pin a guy as soon as it's a formidable match those elbows start coming out the kicks to the head start happening right the knees Mm -hmm. it's like you know it's the equivalent of like the you know the moment that happens in the big matches where it's just like all right they're just like in the ring like trading blows trading hard blows but, you know, the equivalent for that with a guy like Nakamura is, like, he's kicking you. He's hitting you with his knee. And, you know, I think that, like, this is this is really, in a lot of ways, it's going to make or break the guy as yeah. far as WWE goes. I think it's definitely going to be, it's his, it's his biggest opportunity. It's his biggest showing so far. Uh, he's kind of been a low-key experiment. They've been messing around with him in a lot of different ways. I, man, I loved the end of their segment on SmackDown when he just fake he faked the uh, the kick the Kinshasa. Yeah, man, it. Uh, th- there's been so many moments where he's not been great on the mic, where it's it's been they're telling a story in a way they shouldn't be telling a story here. Yeah, and that moment just looked vicious i yeah i think so too and i think that like this build has been like you know it hasn't been great but it hasn't have it hasn't had to be great we you know we knew that this was going to be dope but i think the the setting up of his you know ability to harm has been you know a really really good way to go with him i was like you know i think that the idea that 
you know, they've been kind of teasing like one of these guys like is maybe less respectful of the other. It's like, man, I don't need that shit. But like Nakamura's like ability to strike is his biggest feature. Yeah, it's definitely if he hits you with one of these three things, if he gets you in an arm bar, if he hits you with his knee, you're out. And this is like the the idea here, too. I mean, if that's how if he were to win and that was like how he were to win like just give the guy strong style the idea that he's like a graceful artist is really missing out on a huge part of it he is those things but he's also a brutal like striker yeah i think uh his career previous to being on the main roster had those two factors swapped yeah uh now that he's on the roster He's an artist. He's a rock star that also has some scary moves. Before, it was definitely the opposite, that he was a vicious uh, wrestler that also was a weird, eccentric, you know, prince-loving guy. Um, We don't really do uh, match predictions, but who do you want to win this match? I don't know. I, I really don't. I... I would love to see... The, I mean, I don't know. AJ, like I said earlier, I think AJ should have this belt until someone puts on a match or is able to reasonably... For us to reasonably believe that they should be able to take it off of him. Yeah. But I would love to see Nakamura be the champion. I would too. I think that, like, you know, it's... On a purely emotional level, AJ has been... Like, I, I, I think that I like... AJ Styles more, you know, with each passing day. It's been, you know, like I was obviously excited about when he when he debuted, being there at that Royal Rumble. That oh, was yeah. a fun Royal Rumble that, that we Rumble. were at. Um, but you know, the more he's put in, the more I've liked him. So I I think I'm like kind of reaching a point where I'm just like I don't think i i don't think i ever want aj to lose i would be fine with that i think he deserves to keep that belt for a long long time um so now the elephant in the room the elephant in the room the wwe universal title being defended by uh the reigning defending undisputed champion brock lesnar versus the big dog, Roman Reigns. I. It's a match that's been a year in the making, right? It's a match that's been several years in the making. We knew we knew it was coming here. We knew this was the end goal. Uh, I've I've felt different feelings on this long path about how it's going. Uh, let's bring it back. Let's tell. Let's tell our story. Okay. Um, Where does our story start? Um, well, I met you freshman year of college. No, no, no. So we were in Philadelphia for the Royal Rumble 2015. 2015, one of the funnest shows I've ever been it to. Was, it was so much fun. You know, we got uh, we got stopped just outside of Philadelphia. We could have spent a day, uh, you know, dealing with the the legal systems of uh pennsylvania the great state small town pennsylvania but uh you know somewhere on the highway there is a a chillum and a little bit of weed if anybody wants to find it <laughs> um 
But, you know, we were at that Royal Rumble, and um, that was one of the craziest wrestling events that I've ever been to in my entire life. Yeah, I, I think those moments, the moment when Roman Reigns gets booed uncontrollably by the crowd, uh, I those are the moments that make wrestling special. It's it's comparable to the like uh, the the Punk win at Money in the Bank. It's comparable to I don't know Brock beating Taker. It's these moments that are just that don't fit the storyline that aren't that just transcend what's going on in the ring. It was so insane being there, and that you know that build too of of that summer where they're really strapping it onto Roman Reigns and we're all kind of just like, oh, I don't know about this. I think it's also an interesting point at that moment in time. I don't know if we'd fully embrace John Cena as uh, as the wrestler that we know and love today. I think he was in the middle of making... Uh, a turn to becoming this lovable, you know, huge legend. Right. But I don't think we'd accepted this, you know, this guy that had been quote unquote shoved down our throats for so long as someone that we like yet. So we didn't even have a mold for, uh, you know, that potentially. Arc, yeah. Right. For, that for arc of it. just being like, no, actually, you know what? We are not okay with this guy. Yeah. And then eventually like, you know what, man, This he's like really earning his keep here. Right, right. And I don't think we'd had that full realization yet, so we don't see a light at the end of the tunnel for Roman at that point. Right. And I think that that's an interesting point that you bring up because I, it's something that I'm going to circle back to it at a point because the reason, the reason Punk's win at Money in the Bank is so special is because he beat John Cena. Yeah. There's no other way around that. That match would mean nothing if it was against anybody else. That's 100% true. So, you know, ooh, I was there. I I was angry. I remember, I just remember riding home uh, that Monday and just like every hour and a half, we're just like, why did they think that it would be a good idea for Kane and the Big Show to be the the foils in all of this? Like, those are the two people who are eliminating all of the guys that we like that aren't Daniel Bryan. And wait, and what was the deal with Rusev? And we booed The Rock. That's how mad we were. Everything was such a testament to how bad of a decision that was or how bad we thought that storytelling was right and and then we get wrestlemania 30 and we're just like or no sorry 31 and we're just like oh man this sucks that this is what they're doing but then then they turned us heist they, of the oh, century man, baby heist of the century and we'll, we'll talk about that wrestlemania 31 match too and then you know and then they do the triple h main event and it's like all right you you guys did it. You did it. He won. Nobody cared. Yep. Um nobody cared because that show was really long. Um and you know, they the, the crowd was 
so dead during that main event, partially because they really didn't care about the story, but partially because uh, it was just a really long event. It was, it was long. Like, but, you know. And then he beat The Undertaker. Everybody was mad at that. And then we went to that Raw after WrestleMania, and those those two people who were like, hey, hey, uh, Scott, turn your back. Turn your back. Don't face them. And you were that like, way they'll know. <laughs> Yeah, that was an absurd thing. Yeah, yeah, protest it. You bought a ticket. And, dude, I had so much fun booing. That was so much fun. We booed that guy for eight minutes straight. And I I don't know if I've seen the Raw. I don't know if I've watched it on TV. I watched it on Hulu, and I I haven't watched the actual Raw. But on Hulu, it was truncated, and I I was a little annoyed because, you know, that was an amazing eight minutes it really was it was it was cool to to you know let out all this frustration but it was also pretty amazing to you know you had enough time to start thinking through what's going on here right and you're starting to think like oh man they know what they're doing Uh this company is doing something really smart they've created this organic heel blah 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 and you know that maybe didn't all pay off the way that we had thought Uh, it has in moments, you know, I think that like the the um, the idea that oh my god, Nakamura is not going to win this Royal Rumble, Roman's going to win it was so smart. The tension and all of that was brilliant. Yeah, and that's and that's when they use that well. When they put some depth into Roman's uh, booking in a match, it's it's a blast, and it's it's all fueled by that initial 2015 Royal Rumble boo. Yeah. And the thing about Roman now that's frustrating is when they seem to not want to acknowledge that. And that's kind of been the feeling to a lot of this match is, and especially the Elimination Chamber, was like, oh, okay. You just spent all this time telling the Braun story and then Roman just beat him. Yep. Uh, and that's, that's what it is, right? The lack of acknowledgement, the, that's what we've been pissed about since the start. That's what's been a frustration point, a real pain point from the very beginning that no one is acknowledging this fact. Uh, and that's, it's been kind of a weird bummer as of late with this build when, you know, the calling, uh, Brock Vince's boy is just so tone deaf. Is it tone deaf or is it self-aware? Is it aware to the extent that they know that everybody who's hearing that, who is, you know, conscious of the idea that there's such a thing as Vince's boy is sitting there saying, "Are you kidding me?" I mean, I wonder. I th- and that's I mean, that's kind of when it's fun. When this Roman experiment is fun is uh-huh. when we're wondering what they actually think about this. It's when when we're booing it for eight minutes on Raw, then you start wondering what they actually know. And then they spend eight months booking him in this way that's, you know, kind of boring. Right. And I think that that's like, you know, I'm going to argue the case for Roman, but one part that I am, you know, I think I'm like kind of keenly aware of. And this comes from, you know, my own experience of like, I got to a point with Roman where I just, I just didn't have anything invested into the matches that he was in. 
And when you're bored and you're watching wrestling, that is probably the worst feeling that you can have is you're just so uninterested in what's happening. You're not mad about it. You're not happy about it. You're just like this. I don't want to do this. I'm looking at my phone. Like I, you know, I don't want to do that. I don't want to look at my phone ever, but the, um, the, you know, the booking where, where he's, you know, wrestling somebody and he's like, just, going over and there's you know no story being told other than the the odds that he's overcoming that's just like it's a bummer and there's no fun in that and i think that that has really been like the ultimate detriment of of all of this is that they have like just given you know the audience a reason to be bored with him yeah the story hasn't had any dynamic uh flow to it at all there's been nothing that's like thrown a curveball at it it's really straightforward we know this underdog tale that doesn't really fit this wrestler that's being told here i mean that said though roman reigns is a really fucking good wrestler roman reigns has been one of the best performers in wwe in the last two years and two and a half years. Yeah, and I think it's a real shame that the matches that he's in quite often are telling a story that is, you know, him overcoming the odds again, him hitting that spear at the end. And it's like we've gotten kind of sick of it because that's on a larger scale what's wrong with Roman Reigns. Yeah, because I think that you're looking at it and you're – I think that he's done a really good job over especially over the past year of like giving you reason to enjoy 90% of the match it's the temper it's the 10% that come at the end where we're like all right right and that's obviously the most important 10% it's what counts at the end and you know and that's that's what continues to fuel the boredom and the frustration with stuff i don't know Here's the thing. Brock Lesnar has held that belt for so long and I think with such he's he's held it in a way, you know, both the universal title and the WWE World Heavyweight title when he has it, he has made it matter in such a way that no wrestler has been capable of doing it. Yeah, I don't buy the argument that Brock not being there or that him not fighting every night or not fighting at every pay-per-view. I don't buy that argument that that's a, a negative thing at all. Uh, people talk so often about how tough it is to make storylines that matter now in the current WWE with six hours of programming a week or whatever, how tough it is to to extend stuff and Brock Lesnar is a perfect example of a way to do that. Well, Brock Lesnar, I will I I think that like the problem with Brock holding the belt in the way that he does is that you know, he fights, you know, 5 times a year and when he's not there, there's no title storyline happening. And I think that the roster has reached a point where you have so many good and talented people that you need to have a storyline 
that's going constantly for that title because you have, you know, everybody that was in that Elimination Chamber match is worthy of a title storyline. And, you know, having it to where you have to, you know, put it out there every three months or whatever, that gives a lot of room for middling. And they don't seem to be doing very well with figuring out, like, why these people should be fighting in the meantime. That's definitely true. It's a total balancing act that needs to happen here because, yeah, a lot of those upper you know top of the card guys don't have a lot to do without a championship belt to kind of swap around every month or so i think that i i have been a big brock lesnar fan since he came back i I, aside from like the triple h feud he hasn't done anything that i haven't been so down with you know i think that there's been a couple matches recently that were kind of you know eh, but like Good Brock Lesnar matches are are something that are, you know, I get so excited for a Brock Lesnar fight in ways that nobody else gets me excited for. I, dude, it's the big fight feel. He brings the same amount of, uh, of, of gravity to a match that you know some like that like someone like Conor McGregor brings. Like it's the UFC thing, it's the MMA. This guy knows how to fight, and the fact that he's not fighting every month or every week or whatever is a testament to that. He's just doing the UFC thing here still, and that makes it matter. His matches are so intense. He he fights in a way that nobody else does. I, I don't know. I, I love those matches, and I love how important they feel whenever they uh, crop up. I, I like them too. I think... All right. And this isn't to say I don't I don't think it's it's a it's a like done deal that Roman Reigns is winning this match. I don't. I think I would like to hear what you have to say here. I think that there is as much of a chance as Brock Lesnar going over and holding the belt as there is Roman winning. Because, you know, looking at looking at the way that they talk. Uh, 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 excuse me. Looking at the way they handle Roman at times, they're not unaware of the fact that this crowd might not be happy if Brock Lesnar loses. Yeah, and Brock Lesnar has a big history of powerhouse upset wins. Yeah. Uh, stuff that you weren't expect. When the storyline was clearly going one way, there's an easy f- trigger to pull that just, okay, Brock German suplexes everybody to death. It's totally possible. I think that that, you know, the setup has, sure, it's, it's felt like the blinders are on and they're just pushing it through despite everybody. Brock Lesnar's ability to win a wrestling match is being totally undersold here. I will say that if anybody takes the title from Brock Lesnar, anybody is going to take the title and hold it and make it meaningful and hold it in a in a sense where, you know, the title is on the line more often than five times a year. Nobody on this roster holds that better than Roman Reigns. Yeah, that's true. There, there's 
I don't know what they would possibly do if Brock wins this uh, moving forward. I don't know who could possibly win that belt from him. Who's going to fight him that has a, a chance? The thing about the thing about it, and you know, the reason that I've kind of been pro Roman and all of this is that you know you have such crop of talent on Raw. You have, uh, you know, and not to mention, you know, what happens in uh, an upcoming shakeup. The idea that somebody like a Finn Balor uh, should be going over Brock Lesnar is preposterous to me because Finn Balor should be going over someone like Roman Reigns. The the amount of, of payoff that comes when somebody takes that belt from Roman Reigns who we don't like for all of these reasons is so it's so enormous and you know it's kind of like the the um you know when when remember when Brock went over the Undertaker and everybody was pissed off you remember how huge that made him Roman's gonna go over Brock if he does and everybody's gonna be like I hate this guy so much I can't wait till my guy wins the title from him that's that that's there, there's something so I'm a big fan of of thinking through this like continuity that's happened. Brock beat the Undertaker. Since then, no one has beaten Brock clean except for Goldberg, uh, and that was a fluke, right? Like that was a thing that right. it was a, a quick, you know, hot attack right off the bat. No one's beaten Brock since then. Uh, there is a serious transfer of power going on. Uh, the weight of Taker's reign at WrestleMania very clearly was given to Brock in a way where he became this new dominant force that shows up now and then and just rips people to shreds. Whoever beats him, this is that's going to be a huge amount of uh, of storytelling weight is going to be added to that person's reign. Um, and it's going to be... You know, I, as much as I want my guy Brock to hold the title forever, I think that there's something amazing about just an enormous amount of heat that's going to rain down on Reigns if he does win this. I think that that's like, you know, you talk about, I think, you know, the complaint is that, you know, they're just pushing it and, you know, this is the main event and we've known it's going to happen for a long time and they're, they just have to like do it to get it over with. It's like, no, can you, how can you manufacture heat onto somebody more than than the way they've done it with Roman Reigns. Even if it's like, even if it's, you know, to the extent where it's, you know, making our heads spin with how tone deaf it feels, listen to it. Nobody gets booed like that. Yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe this is building up to be a really a fun, another fun Roman booing session. I think that, you know, there's that. <laughs> there's also the tension of just like, or maybe that's just wishful thinking. <laughs> yeah. gonna... The confetti rains down, right. half the crowd cheers. Uh-huh. It's hard to hear stuff in a huge dome. Right, yeah. And you're just like, yeah, they're just doing it. And they're like, well, you know, they, they won't be able to hear it on TV. All that, all that being said, this match is going to be so brutal and fun. I have... I, I really love the WrestleMania 31 match. I think Ben sold us on how good that match really, really was Even before the Seth. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a great match. They're two good power wrestlers. 
they complement each other really well. And you know that that big fight feel, it's it's going to be so palpable. I think you know I remember when uh, when the build was happening and like you know Lesnar did the the live event in Chicago and everybody on Reddit was like nobody's going to care about this main event. It's like no people are going to like you know they're going to be ready to riot for this main event. I think. Yeah, he's both of these two wrestlers have a ton of uh, emotional investment swirling around them, whether it's positive or negative from from this fan side of things. I think uh, I don't think anybody really I don't know how I feel completely about it. I think it's a lot of uh, of anxiety just in general. Yeah, yeah. I'm a little anxious too. Um, I think that, I think that, it's going to be interesting, is what it's going to be. I think that's like the best way to put it up. It's like, all right, let's 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 see how it plays out, and uh, and you know, it's going to be a huge determiner for how the rest of this uh, the rest of this year that follows is going to look. It does seem to be more more than most main events of WrestleMania is it seems like a beginning rather than an end. Yeah. And I think that there, you know, I think one of the themes that's kind of been coming up is just, you know, the way that things have really broadened and expanded and filled themselves out in a lot of ways in this roster and, you know, the the criticism of making Roman the guy um I think it's all valid, but I think that if you're um if you're gonna if you're gonna put somebody on the top it should be the guy that you've been building to be on the top for the past four or five years like for better or for worse there's gonna be a big payoff whenever he loses that thing or maybe Brock takes it I don't know I can't I wait know. I can't wait to go to WrestleMania I can't wait to go to New Orleans I can't wait to not eat weed when I'm there and I can't wait to uh I can't wait to spend some time in that city I can't wait to listen to that Kid Rock song over and over again I can't wait to see my guy uh Mark Henry you know come out and when they when they show all the Hall of Fame inductees and God, I can't, I can't wait to to spend some time with you. We're gonna hang out for a whole week. And it's gonna be. We're gonna go sober. see Graham Parsons' grave. We're gonna see Graham Parsons' grave. I'm gonna take you on the Lee Harvey Oswald oh, walking yeah. tour oh, of yeah. New Orleans. We're gonna go and get beignets and uh, call me Crawdaddy. <laughs> hey, um, you know we're we're very thrilled and and feel very fortunate to be able to hang out and talk about wrestling every week we hope that you've been enjoying these conversations and we hope that you get to spend wrestlemania with, uh, surrounded with with people that you care about chloe's over here she's going crazy she can't wait and uh yeah so we'll uh we'll touch base you know when it's when it's all said and done and and we'll talk about the fallout. Wishing you all the best. We'll see you. We'll talk to you soon. Come on, 